Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Zikowski-Wallace. Now, I've had many amazing guests featuring lately, and they've covered a whole bunch of topics surrounding investment in some way or another. Um, But given our name, The Property Mentors, I think it's just about time that we had another mentor on because it has been a hot minute. So earlier in the week, I sat down with our very own Robert Pasqualini, who is one of our incredible senior mentors here at TPM and has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to growing wealth through property. Now, given his extensive experience, I asked him to talk to me today about some of the common mistakes that he's seen investors make over the years in hope to help others to avoid them altogether. And whether you're already in the property market or you're just starting out, this episode is for you. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Robert. So Robert Pasqualini, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Phoebe. Glad to be here. So you're one of our senior mentors here at the at the Property Mentors, and you've been a mentor here for how long now? Nearly three years. Okay, so safe to say you you know what you're talking about. Pretty much. <laughs> so I've invited you here today to talk to me about some of the common mistakes that you see that you've seen through your experience here at TPM that people make, especially when they start out investing. Mm-hmm. And prior to today, I've asked you to bring to the table some of those so that we can talk through them and hopefully kind of help people avoid making these mistakes themselves. Um, Now, there's plenty of mistakes that you can make. We don't pretend that there isn't when it comes to investing. But there are, of course, ways to easily mitigate or avoid them altogether. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the first one that you've brought. And it's, it's something that we've actually spoken about quite often on the podcast and I think we're just going to continue to talk about it because it's really important but mm. it's they don't know their why so what what does that mean okay it's 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 difficult even for ourselves to understand why we want to invest you know we listen to other people we see other people investing buying properties and everything else I feel like when I do speak to some of our members they don't really know their why and it's difficult for them to, to start thinking so we need to spend more time with them you know? mm. And the, the, the automatic response would be to pay off my mortgage um, or to have a passive income, mm. right? And that's all okay, and that's something you can plan for long term. Um, but to really understand what their goalpost is and why they're doing this in the first place, um, we need to find out the, the real meaning of what they're doing this for. Now, mm. Is it really just for retirement? Is it really just to pay off my mortgage? Uh, so one of my clients um, who I got in a little bit deeper with him um, and that meaning that he had a, a hobby which we thought I wouldn't have even thought of, you know, but we got into that point where he said he, he likes gliding and he flies planes. I go, well, that's okay, but he wants to do that full time. 
him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And they're both into gliding aeroplanes and um, whatever you call those things. <laughs> Paragliding? <laughs> Paragliding. Yeah. And they want to get into that full time and they want to do it in every state. They're from Japan. They are doing that over there and they're doing it here in Australia. So that's their biggest goal to have that as a business and do that full time. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we've got something like that, we can actually start to work backwards. What sort of money are they looking for? At the same time, yes, they do want retirement income, passive income to be able to do this full time. Um, and they also would like to pay off their home. Mm-hmm. Right? But the biggest goal is to actually do that as a business full time mm-hmm. and get away from what they're doing at the moment because they're just doing it for income. Right. So you find that most people kind of have those kind of big blanket goals, which is, you know, to pay off the mortgage or to be, you know, financially set up. But within that, you're always finding that there's these quite personal ones that... Yeah. Mm. And luckily we got through to that because I think just about everybody has that in them. Yeah. That just hasn't come out because they feel like it's never going to happen. Mm. So we put that aside, you know. Uh, even for myself, you know, I would love to just... Um, stay at home and paint all day right? mm, I just do oils you know? <laughs> and that'd be my passion to do airbrushing and do that sort of stuff but to say to do that full time you've got to get in the mindset you know and you've got to have you know and have to worry about your bills and have to have uh, other worries about how you're going to pay the next payment to the mortgage and so that was all taken care of then yes you'd probably venture out and do other things mm. you know start another business or do something else yeah I think yeah. it's really important to dig that little bit deeper as to why you want to do anything really because that's much more of a motivator. It is, and it keeps you focused on mm. the reason why you're doing this. You know, if it's a long-term plan, then we can start to work towards it. Yeah, right. amazing. Great. So the next one that you've brought is, and again, this is something we are going to continue to talk about for episodes to come, and that is that they don't have a long-term strategy or plan. So why is that important to have one? Uh, we need to break that down. Um, you know, we might have these, you know, they think things aren't, well, with anything, if you feel like it's not going to be achieved, it's because you haven't planned for it. Mm. Uh, if you then have something uh, as a 10-year plan, you can start working backwards. How are we going to achieve this 10-year plan? Uh, if we break it down into year lots you know, or two-year lots, then we can start to say, if we can achieve two properties to be able to get us there. And most of my clients get overwhelmed. You know, so how many properties do I need? Mm. Uh, and i just give them a quick example. You know, if you had four properties at 500000 each, you're carrying $2 million worth of assets, but you've got other people's money holding those assets for you, mm. be it the, the tenant, uh, be the ATO, right? Mm. If those properties double in seven to 10 years, then you've got $2 million worth of equity or cash at 5% return to give you 100,000 passive income for the rest of your life, right? Mm. So if you had that going, then that's a simple process of actually getting to where you want to get to as far as passive income. Mm. And one of the other reasons that we're constantly saying with the plan is that it's great to stick to something so that if, you know, worst case scenario, you do sort of fall off track or you feel like things are starting to maybe not go the way that you thought, you've got something to kind of go back to and stick to. That's right. Yeah. And we're... And that's what we do as mentors. Mm. You know, we, we if you go off track, we want to put you back on track. Yeah. Right? And say, so it wasn't this your goal. You know? Yeah. And we, if we've stepped it out, then we know that this is what you want to achieve. We're going to get back to doing that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Now, so the third one you've got is they don't diversify their portfolio. Mm. So Luke and I have actually spoken a little bit about the different types of property you can purchase, you know, whether that's residential or commercial. And then obviously within residential, you've got uh, townhomes and apartments and houses. So is it important to have a mix? 
It, it is, and it all comes back to a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in certain areas, you know, your your apartment may work or outperform a townhouse because of the demand. The demand in a certain area is, is a high demand for a, an apartment, um, where if you compare that to a townhouse, it's just a little bit further out, and then there's so much available, then the, the demand for rent is probably less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, it's all to do with uh, supply and demand. You know? So if there's so much demand for a certain product, obviously you're going to get a better return, a better capital growth, mm. and, better, and a better rent yield. Hmm. So if we're looking out there, it doesn't really matter, matter whether it's a house and land, whether it's uh, an apartment or a townhouse. Number one, which one can you afford, in which state, and how far out, and what's the demand for rent? Hmm. Because if you don't meet that demand for rent, then you'll, you'll be paying out of your own pocket. Hmm. So in addition to property types, what about a mixture of locations, which you kind of just mentioned there, and hmm. strategies? Yeah, look, there's, uh, there's, there's a couple of strategies there. One would be to avoid land tax. So we want to diversify into different states. Plus uh, the demand for you know property, whether you want to be 10 case from the CBD. You know, obviously, if you're in Sydney, 10 case from the CBD will cost you millions. Uh, in Melbourne, probably half that. And in another state, half that again. Mm. All right. So it's been a bang for your buck. Mm. And what can you afford close to the CBD if you mm. can? As far as strategies are concerned, be it the type of property that you go for, in between properties, uh, we find that if you get to a point where you can't borrow for a certain product, mm. or whether it be your serviceability or your income, you need to build up some savings, mm-hmm. then we have what we call wholesale property trust. You know, And the way I explain the wholesale property trust, it is a trust. Uh, there's a minimum of, say, 20 members on that trust, and you pick up a unit, right? But you're, in, you're investing in property. So mm. that trust goes out there and purchases property. You get a, a share of that, which is basically an, an 8% return on your money. You know? So there's a minimum spend for that. There's three units at $25,000, um, and you can then buy three at, as a minimum of $75,000 um, and hold that in there you know, so you'll get a, a, a return on the rent yield mm-hmm. as also the capital worth. Mm. The Property Mentors are celebrating their eighth birthday and to celebrate are offering a special one month membership for brand new members. This special birthday membership not only gets you access to one of our expert mentors for three coaching sessions, but we will also source and present an investment property to you and assist you through the purchase process. Getting started in property investment has never been easier. Visit thepropertymentors.com.au forward slash birthday to join today. So the fourth one we've got and the final one we've got for today is they don't understand the investment. So talk to me about that. What do you mean by that? Okay. Um, different to a mortgage, you know, where people go out there and say, okay, well, I'm, I've got a borrowing capacity of 500000 um, I know I can buy a mortgage and I've got a mortgage repayment, you know, and I've got to pay the interest on that mortgage, right? But they've got to also understand that they're the sole contributor to that mortgage and they have to pay that out of their own pocket with after-tax dollars, mm. right? When it comes to investing, they're not on their own. Basically, they're paying a 10% deposit, but then they've also got other people's money. They've got the tenant paying the rent to hold to pay for that interest, okay? And as well as the ATO, the Australian Tax Office, we, we can actually claim back the depreciation of the building at 2.5% for 40 years. 
we can also claim back all the, the, the fixtures and fittings and everything that's in that building. Okay, Having those two holding that asset for you, so all you're really doing is holding an asset with your 10% deposit. Mm-hmm. And that asset is obviously growing with capital growth. That's what you want to take advantage of, which we obviously call equity. Mm-hmm. Right? That'll help you with your next purchase and you'll get your 10% out of the equity growth of that investment. Okay. When it comes down to what people look at as when they're investing, they're looking at risks you know, where we can then borrow. They might have a borrowing capacity of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really mean that we're going to go out there and buy a million dollar property. But if we can get that million dollar borrowing capacity and buy two or three properties, okay, and diversify those properties and minimize the risk of actually ten- getting a tenant at uh, 4.5% yield on the rent, where people can afford to pay 450 a week. Mm. But you're not going to get too many people paying $1,000 a week in rent. Mm. Okay, so we're going to the what I call the peak right, of that small 10% that can afford that. Right, We want to be down the bottom where you've got 60 or 80 or even up to 90% of the tenants out there that can afford to pay that. So then I want to put my properties in that you know, high percentage that can afford to. Right, So diversify and again, get three investment properties for the same money, get three mm. sets of tenants. Okay. So is that something that kind of plays into that like growth versus rent? Like some people might not know what outcome a property is going to be better for? Sure. Yeah. There's two areas that where, you know, it depends on your portfolio. It's every individual is different and their circumstances are different. Right? If, we're, if we're looking for um, some sort of a small passive income, then we obviously want to go for rent yield. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want to get more rent but not necessarily going to give you capital growth. So okay. most cities or most areas that we get higher rent return means that the value of the property stays the same you mm-hmm. know, or hasn't grown or grows at a minimal rate. Um, if we're looking at some of where mostly we call negative gearing, meaning that we're in a bigger city, the property's a little bit more expensive, but we're also not getting as much rent. We're only getting, say, 4.5% or 4% yield on the rent mm-hmm. on the value of the property. But then we've got the negative guarantee to be able to claim back the depreciation to cover the the, the shortfall from the bank, mm. from the interest rates. But then now we're going for capital growth. So where people want to gain uh, capital growth is to build that portfolio, to use the equity in that portfolio to then get more and add more to their portfolio. If, if someone's in a different circumstance and they've got heaps of equity, all they're looking for is cash flow, then we want to go for a higher rent mm. yield. Okay, so it's kind of just a few of those ins and outs that some people overlook or don't maybe bother to to they educate do. themselves on. They do. Most people just go out there and buy a property. Yeah. And then they find that they're getting good rent return, which is great, but then they start to question why their property is not growing in value. And, they, and I've got a client in particular uh, who has uh, had a property in Ipswich in Queensland. She bought that five years ago. And it's only valued for the same price you paid for it five years ago, mm. right? So there was no equity, but she gets good rent return, mm. right? But I said, was well, that your strategy just to get to add to your income? And that it wasn't. So right. what she really needed um, was equity. Mm. So she chose the wrong property for her strategy, mm. right? So it didn't mix in what she wanted, right? Mm. Now, whether she sells that or whether she keeps that, it's up to her. It will grow eventually in value, but not. it's not really for that. Mm. It should have been in a different position in Brisbane or maybe in another state. Mm. Okay, so that that is just a great example of why you should have that plan and that strategy in place before you even think of yeah. buying. So unless we unless we know what you're trying to achieve yeah. and we have that picture that we can visualise mm. and then we can start to break it down and say, 
okay, what do we need? What strategy do we need to be able to get to from point A to point B? Mm. You know, and if from point A to point B, we just need more income, then we know we, we want to go for a high rent return. Mm. If we need more equity to keep going, then obviously we need to go for capital growth. Mm. Right. Yeah, fabulous. Rob, is there anything else that you think people should know or that you want to add today? Um, just that um, I think uh, planning, I mean, I've, I've started investing years, years ago uh, and I made my own personal mistakes, mm. as many do. Mm. You don't understand the numbers, you don't understand a strategy and you don't have an actual plan or a goal to, to head towards, mm. right? If you had a certain goal and you want to reach a certain point within a short period of time, whether it's five years or, or, or ten years, mm-hmm. Um, and a good example would be Luke Harris, right? <laughs> our CEO. I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had a goal and he was just going to gun barrel that goal and he was just tunnel visioned. Mm. You know, he said, I need to have a certain income by a certain time. And he was just buying a property every six months. But that was his plan. You know? And whether we want to be as aggressive or maybe not as aggressive, um, it is doable. And it's not like he started with massive income. Mm. You know, he was on an average income, and so he was able to put one in place, and then two, and then the third place. And then as soon as he started getting three properties working for him, he was getting equity out of three. And then he was getting equity out of four properties, mm. and it made it easier to then use that equity mm. to be able to buy the next one and the next one. It just got better and easier. Yeah. The first investments, like I say to everybody, is that for most of my members is your first and second are always going to be the hardest. Yeah. Once okay. you get past those, it's a lot easier because you now you've got um, tenants paying your rent, you've got equity behind you, and you can start to move forward. Hmm. The only other thing I do want to mention is that um, we want to get in our planning, we want to understand why we're doing certain you know, strategies. Is, hmm. is it a buy and hold strategy? Is that going to work for us? Do I want to start flipping houses? Hmm. Do I want to start doing renos? Yeah. Do I want to do subdivisions? Now, is that going to give me a profit? And if you allow your personal time and what that's worth per hour, mm-hmm. hourly rate, your, your material costs, everything that goes into a subdivision, planning, permits, engineering, all those costs involved, is there really a profit? Mm. And, and that's what we need to, to do the numbers to see that. You know? And we can do a feasibility, mm. just a basic feasibility on those options to say, are they profitable? Mm. Always then the buy and hold strategy the best way. So it doesn't really matter which way we go, whether we go commercial, whether we do residential, whether we do subdivisions. Um, we want to see which one's actually going to perform and outperform the rest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I think that's very well said. There's a lot to take into consideration. It's exactly why people get a mentor like yourself to guide them and hold their hand through all mm-hmm. of this. And it's nice for you to sort of say, you know, you've made some mistakes in the past, but I think they're the best kind of people to learn from. Well, it is. That's what a mentor is all about. Yeah. You know, so to have a mentor who's been there, done that, made the mistakes, mm. what a great way to have someone, you know, avoid those or help you avoid those mistakes and yeah. move you forward a lot quicker. Yeah, exactly. Rob, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Not a problem, Phoebe. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to know more about us here at The Property Mentors or you want to book a discovery call with one of our mentors, including the incredible Robert, you can visit our website, thepropertymentors.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes for that matter, please share it with your friends and your family as it helps us reach more people on their investment journeys. And of course, subscribe if you want to be notified when any of our other episodes drop. 
If you haven't already got yourself a copy of Luke's latest book, Property Fit, please do. It's a very easy read. Luke has done a fantastic job of breaking things down, simplifying them and explaining things that might usually be a bit confusing for a lot of people. And that is available at propertyfitbook.com.au. Tune in next week as I've got a very special guest and we're going to be talking about all things depreciation. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I will be back in your ears again next week.